Hello, everyone, and welcome to HR Works COVID-19 Update. I'm the host of HR Works, Jim Davis, and the editor of the HR Daily Advisor. This podcast aims to put valuable tools and knowledge into the hands and ears of you, the HR professional, and those tools will arm you with the best methods and strategies for attracting, motivating, and retaining top talent. Today, we are going to take a look at some of the DOL's revisions and reaffirmations of the original FFCRA regulations. And we have with us a familiar voice, attorney Maggie Spell of Jones-Walker. Maggie focuses her practice on cases brought under federal, state, and local employment laws, including Title VII of the Civil Rights Act, the Americans with Disabilities Act, and the Age Discrimination Employment Act. She regularly offers wage and hour compliance advice and has represented employers in numerous Fair Labor Standards Act collective actions and state law wage and hour class actions. Maggie's litigation experience also includes defending employers in breach of contract and employment-related tort claims. She regularly defends employers and management before state and federal courts throughout the country at the trial and appellate levels, as well as before administrative bodies such as the U.S. Department of Labor, the Equal Employment Opportunity Commission, and similar state agencies. Thank you so much, Maggie, for joining us again today. Thanks for having me. My understanding is that there is a judge who caused all kinds of trouble, the FFCRA, uh, as they're wont to do, Southern District of New York. He felt that it wasn't... Oh, the regulations are too restrictive um, and wanted to adjust them. And now that has to be handled by the DOL. Is that, is that right? That's, I think that's the gist of it. Yes. Um, I found some of the, the, the finer points to be a little confusing, like the overall limitation of healthcare workers and their ability to use the use leave. I'm not even sure I understand what they're trying to accomplish with that. Do you know what I'm talking about? I do. Yeah. <laughs> I of course do. Yes. So I think that's really the biggest um, shift here, essentially. The, the way that the FCR, FFCRA was set up was that healthcare workers were excluded from the employees who could take leave. So the, the, the whole purpose of excluding the healthcare workers in particular, the healthcare providers, was to um, basically keep the healthcare system running. Uh, the way that healthcare workers was, or healthcare providers was originally defined by the DOL under the FFCRA was super, super broad. It looked right. at what the employer did as a business rather than what the specific employee is doing. So example, um, you've got a, a doctor's office, right? And somebody who was uh, in charge of billing, for example, sending out bills would have been excluded under the original definition of healthcare provider because they worked for a healthcare provider. And employers were being diligent in applying this broad uh, definition to everyone that worked even around healthcare, right? Like if you, what if you were like a janitor that worked at a hospital? That would have fallen under healthcare provider under the original definition. And I assume that a bunch of people got really upset. Um, well, that. obviously a, a judge, a federal judge in New York did not care for that. Um, I guess it really just depends. I know that, that I have clients who are healthcare providers as as a business um, who have still been essentially following the FFCRA because 
you know, the underlying reason, one of the underlying reasons that this is in place is because you don't want those people in the workplace if they've got COVID, for example. Um, so they were still kind of operating under it. But I feel sure that not everyone has been because it's paid leave away from work and it's an employee who can't be there. Um, so the, the federal judge in New York took issue with that very, very expansive definition and wanted something narrower and more like the definition of healthcare provider, the, the classic definition of the FMLA for those who can diagnose serious health conditions and fill out medical certifications. Um, but the DOL found that that was too narrow, just given the context of a pandemic and mm. the healthcare system's ability to respond to COVID. Um, so now we're talking about something kind of in between. We're, we're I guess we're in the Goldilocks situation here. Um, we've got, now we're, we're talking about people like nurses, nurses assistants, um, and other people who can provide diagnostic, preventive treatment and other integrated services. Um, those employees who are providing those types of services under the supervision order and direction of a healthcare provider, um, as well as employees who are, and I think this is particularly important because it, it's the catch-all essentially, um, employees who are otherwise integrated into and necessary to the provision of healthcare services. So your lab technicians um, and people who are mm. processing the testing um, necessary to, to diagnose and treat. So there's so just been a little bit more clarity added to there. And I imagine that means a bunch of employers have to go adjust how they, how they interact with this part of the law now. Sure. I mean, we're, we're now talking about, um, you know, employers who offer healthcare services or, or where the business would be a healthcare provider. Um, but they have people like to go back to your example of a janitor or somebody who's handling the billing or even human resources personnel. Those people who aren't actually providing healthcare services can take leave under the FFCRA now. I, another area that I was looking at that was a little confusing to me was the intermittent leave um, provisions. I, you know, I think it was a little confusing to begin with because it says something like um, employers should be allowed or employees should be allowed to take FFCR uh, a leave for reasons that don't pose a health risk. Um, and there was a concern around they couldn't take leave if they have COVID. I got really confused when I read that section. I don't understand what that has it, what that has to do. Don't you want to stay home? Intermittent leave is certainly always a confusing area, even under the regular FMLA. Um, it's certainly an area that gives employers a headache all the time. Um, what the DOL has done is confirmed with its revised regulations that intermittent leave uh, under the FFCRA, and sorry, my dog just jumped off the bed. If that, it's all right. I got, I got trucks driving by every three seconds, though. So. <laughs> um, <laughs> The DOL has essentially confirmed that intermittent leave under the FFCRA can only be taken with employer approval. But they've offered some explanation now, and they've used the term intermittent in kind of a strange way, um, which is mm. probably why you found it confusing. Um, <laughs> intermittent leave, generally speaking, right, is leave that's taken in separate blocks of time for a single qualifying reason. 
So mm. if somebody's reporting to work intermittently under a continuous period of leave, that's intermittent leave. To take it under the regular FMLA, there's got to either be a medical need for intermittent leave or an agreement, right? So here, you're not really going to get to a medical need for intermittent leave because if somebody's got COVID, they, they're not in the workplace. And if they're teleworking, um, essentially the DOL has said, basically work together and find a way to balance what the employee needs and what the employer, um, the employer needs as well. So. Okay. I think I understand. So it's that you wouldn't have someone with COVID wouldn't be coming in for a couple of days, going home for a couple of days, coming in for a couple of days. Yeah, no, they've really focused, um, the intermittent leave piece really focuses more on the uh, time off to care for a child whose school or place of care is closed, right? Which makes sense because you've got all of these kind of um, crazy school schedules out there, like a hybrid schedule where, you know, a student can go for in-person learning on, say, Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, but not on Tuesday and Thursday. Um, but what's interesting <laughs> is, and probably very confusing, is that that isn't intermittent leave, according to the DOL. So that is, that doesn't require any sort of employer agreement, right? That is not intermittent because when the school closes each day and then reopens for that student to attend, that is a new reason, a new qualifying reason for leave. Mm. So uh, I'm sure that parents love that. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think that that works out well for them, actually, because that means they don't need, I mean, setting aside the fact that they do not love the hybrid schedule, I'm sure, um, this means that, that employees don't have to get employer agreement or permission for that type of hybrid schedule. Okay. Now, a student who, say, is not ever permitted to go for in-person instruction and is, is always um, doing remote learning, online learning, whatever it may be, and the parent, say, has a family member who can watch the kid on Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, but can't work Tuesday and Thursday, that isn't right. because okay. it all boils down to essentially the reason that the person needs to leave. Right, okay. I think that's a little bit more clear. Um, a question that, you know, having gone over this stuff, a question I should have asked probably months ago, that um, this only applies to companies with 500 people or less, right? Private companies. Correct. Are there similar provisions for companies that are bigger than that or are they just off the hook? Do whatever they want. It's very interesting. They just are not included in this particular oh. law. Um, I have a lot of clients who are larger than, than 500 employees who are still essentially complying with the FFCRA and have put their own provisions in place. Presumably they thought that big, all big employers have, you know, robust uh, leave plans, but <laughs> it's, it's, it was certainly an interesting choice um, in the drafting of this law. Right. Do you have any, uh, any quick, quick and easy advice for employee, um, employers that are falling within these regulations uh, over these next couple of months? At this point, you know, 
hopefully you've you've been tracking all along right but tracking i think is really key for the ffcra because um you only get it once there's you know the paid leave provisions you get the two weeks of paid leave and then that's it regardless of whether then you have another qualifying reason down the road um and then same for the the additional 10 weeks if if it's needed to to care for a child um, and that's going to be really important, that second piece, because they don't then get FMLA, regular old classic FMLA on top of it. Um, mm. So I think for, you know, employers who are dealing with this, make sure it's being tracked properly so that employees aren't double dipping. Um, and then also, I think just making sure that there's a, a solid system in place so employees know who to talk to um, about taking this type of leave. Uh, I think we talked the last time about, you know, the lawsuits that are already coming out of this. And so making sure that there's, there's a path for employees to ask for this paid leave under the FFCRA and that people receiving requests for paid leave under the FFCRA know what to do with them. So you're not then facing, um, you know, a retaliation claim or a denial of benefits claim in court. Right. I, it seems to me like there would be, without some really clear communication to your employees, it would be very easy for there to be a disconnect between what they think ought to be in the, in the laws and regulations to protect them and what, what is really there. Sure. And I mean, I think one of the biggest areas where an employee could easily be confused is, hey, I took two weeks of paid leave, um, you know, to care for, say, my spouse who had COVID and now I need two weeks off because I have COVID and that's just not available under this particular law. That would be a difficult situation to be in. Um, and you know, some, some people get sick for much longer mm -hmm. and then some people still work when they have COVID, which I don't know how they do it, but you know, from home. Sure. Um, so it's, yeah, what a, what a mess, huh? <laughs> Yes. Yeah. I think and, uh, there are two other pieces of this. I don't know if you want me to cover quickly the two. Please do, because my understanding of it is limited. <laughs> sure. So I think the, the two other things that essentially the DOL revised in response to the federal court's ruling, well, I guess the first one wasn't really revised. They just reaffirmed that you can only take this paid leave um, if the employer has work available. Uh, mm. which an employee can take leave, which I think sounds very logical and makes a lot of sense. But the, the court questioned that particular provision um, and the DOL is, is holding firm. And again, mm. I think it's, it's logical, right? If you aren't scheduled to work um, because your business is closed or you've been furloughed or whatever the case may be, there's no work from which you're taking leave. Uh, you know, leave is an authorized absence from work. And if you're not expected or required to work, that's not leave. Um, right. Of course, this is, I guess, another tip for employers on making sure they're complying with this. It's certainly not an opportunity to be cute or creative um, about withholding work to keep an employee from taking leave. Uh, <laughs> it's got to be due to a legitimate, non-discriminatory, non-retaliatory business reason. Um, Otherwise, I suspect you're going to end up with a denial of benefits uh, suit there under the FLSA. 
or the other. <laughs> and then Which I think you don't, the, you don't want, no one wants that. No one wants that. Um, the final piece of this is when employees need to provide notice to employers. Um, the FFCRA essentially suggested that they needed to provide uh, documentation prior to taking leave, which in a lot of cases is impossible. Um, yeah. So the rules has been amended to confirm that documentation doesn't need to be provided before leave begins, but rather as soon as practicable, um, which is essentially when the employee is going to provide notice of the need for leave. Obviously, the the exception to that is if the leave is foreseeable, like you know that school's going to be closed right. and you find out about it. If you already know, then the DOL expects that the, the employee is going to provide notice at that point in time. Uh, last time, last two times, I think I ended with a, a dark prophecy of sorts. This time I'm not, I'm going to avoid that. Instead, we'll just skip right to the part where you're super optimistic. Oh. So what are your, your positive views for the, the future? Do you need me to say something dark for you to then say something light? Afterwards? No, it's been kind of a weird, <laughs> it's been a weird week over here. So, you know, we thought, I think the last time we thought we were about to get hit with a hurricane and now mm. we were thinking we were about to get hit with a hurricane again. And instead this time it hit my hometown, which my parents aren't there anymore. So it's okay. But um, mm. it's just been a weird week. So let's see. Positives, positives, positives. Um, I mean, all that smoke is making some really beautiful sunsets over here. I don't know about with you guys. We don't have that. We don't We're have We're on the East Coast, but the smoke went way up and blew overhead. Two days ago, it was a two-hour red sunset. I, I, mean, I mean, we're just going to hell in a handbasket, but that's okay. <laughs> that's, not, that's not my optimistic spin here. Um, okay. So, you know, I think... The, the main positive that comes out of this is we've got clarification, right? I mean, these were things that um, if this district court was questioning it, certainly other people were questioning it. And frankly, a lot of us were questioning how broad the scope of that district court ruling really was and who it applied to. Um, we were advising people to just go ahead and, and follow essentially what they were saying uh, but this gives us all clarification on what the regulations are. We've got revised regulations. Um, we still have control over intermittent leave to the extent that an employee requests it, which is great. Um, and it's a pretty clear definition now of healthcare provider. So I think all in all, this is a better set of regulations than the original ones. Um, and for now, we just kind of wait and see what happens next. Fantastic. Well, uh, Maggie, as always, it's a pleasure having you on the show. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Listeners, we are always interested in suggestions you might have for what HR Works should cover next. Please feel free to reach out to us on Twitter at HR Works Podcast. If you have any thoughts or concerns or just want to say hi. Thank you for listening. This is Jim Davis with HR Works.